It occurred to me the other day that I have never told you. <laughs> How have I never told you about Mr. Hints? This is a critical error on my part, doing all of these podcasts and not talking to you about the amazing, incredible Mr. Hints. If you look at the trajectory of my voice journey, if you look at the story of my life, there are these figures along the way that were tremendously influential, particularly as it related to my creative aspirations, toward my sense of self, toward my feelings around what was possible for my voice and for my life. And one of the earliest figures was a towering gentleman named Mr. Richard Hintz, or Dick Hintz, <laughs> for short, is what his friends called him. Mr. Hintz was the middle school and high school choir teacher, and Mr. Hintz was a robust personality. Mr. Hintz was large in stature, well over six feet tall, full thick-bodied human being who walked into the room with an energy that seemed to shift everyone else's. Mr. Hintz had a resonant, rich voice that would boom. Mr. Hintz cared passionately about what his work was and his students. He cared passionately about the creative arts. Mr. Hintz was at one point an aspiring architect, and he never let go of that. In fact, he designed his own home, and he also engaged his love for architecture in literally painting and building all of the sets for our musicals. Mr. Hintz really believed in his students. He gave them opportunities. He encouraged them, often not with a gentle nudge, but with a big old shove. And I just owe so much of my current energy to his inspiration, to being around his presence at a formative stage in my life where, quite honestly, I could relate. I too became a person of large stature. I too became a person with a resonant, rich voice. I too became a person who was willing to walk in a room and change the energy of the space. And I owe so much of my ability to do that to this man. But let me tell you exactly why I was thinking about this the other day. So I went to, uh, I graduated from high school in 1999. So that gives you a little bit of context around my age. I'm 42 years old. And at the time, when I was in high school, when we would do musicals, we had an auditorium that seated, I think, somewhere around 300 to 350 people. And this was a time where things like, I don't know, microphones... <laughs> <laughs> this makes me sound more ancient than I am. But microphones or, you know, amplification systems, like headset microphones for everyone on stage, it just wasn't a reality for most schools. It was cost prohibitive. I grew up in a very, very small town. Um, we certainly didn't have a lot of money in the school district by any means. So when we would do a musical we would do the whole thing unamplified. There would be an actual orchestra that played in the pit, which is so incredible that I got that opportunity at a young age. But the singers on stage, the actors in the show, they would have to sing over the orchestra without amplification. They would have to speak over the orchestra. They would just have to speak in general without amplification because there was no possibility of miking 
everyone. This isn't like a show where you stand up and hold a microphone. It's a musical. You would have to have something attached to your body that traveled with you. We didn't have it. So a very early memory I have was being in a rehearsal situation like that, standing on stage, trying to make enough sound to carry out, others doing the exact same, and Mr. Hint sitting in the very back row of the, of the auditorium in all of his robust glory, listening attentively to make sure that he could hear every single word, to make sure that nothing was getting lost because he was not going to sell a ticket to this musical if people couldn't hear it. And as soon as he couldn't hear something, what would he do? He would take a deep breath all the way down to the bottom of his belly. He would lean back and he would go, project! <laughs> and the sound, it was so booming, so big, so overwhelming that if you were on stage, you had really no choice in the matter but to try to meet him somewhere in that sound. You had no choice but to try to match your voice to his. If you didn't, you would certainly collapse under the pressure. And you know what? Most people did. Most people rose to that challenge. Now, full disclosure... This kind of volume, it's something I think I come by quite naturally. I think that I was raised around people that made these kinds of sounds. I think that my body is set up to do this fairly easily. I think I've nurtured that, and I had nurtured it from a young age. So this wasn't my necessarily my biggest challenge. But for some, for some, this was everything. This took every ounce of their being. This took all their will and all their might. And like I said, most of them. Most of them could do it. It was remarkable. <laughs> now, I went to a high school musical recently, for the record, and everyone was amplified. Even the chorus members and the space was smaller than the one that we used to sing without amplification. So I felt some sort of um, satisfaction in our skills and abilities. We cultivated in my very small town as a young person but I have no judgment. There's nothing wrong with amplification. But the reason I'm telling you about Mr. Hintz, the reason I'm telling you about this experience that I had is because there's been something on my heart lately about volume, about you and your voice and your willingness to be loud, <laughs> to get louder. This past weekend, I was at an event. I was at a really beautiful event that happened to have some singers present. Really skilled, gifted, talented, lovely human beings that were so generous in the sharing of their voice. And I just really relished sitting and listening to them and the con command and control they had of their instruments and the music that they were willing to share and how it was that they were sending their heart through their but if I'm really honest with you, there was something else that I was feeling too. There was a level of dissatisfaction I was feeling in listening to these folks. Because of the work I do and because of the time I've spent with so many singers, I just kept thinking to myself, when are you going to let it rip? Like, when are you going to sing? And the reason I was thinking that is because I'm pretty sure no one else in the room, <laughs> I can guarantee that no one else was thinking that. But were they to have experienced these singers really singing, even just for a brief moment 
of letting it go, of getting loud, of using their voice from the fullest part of their body, I promise you it would have rocked everybody's world. It would have been a game changer. It would have lifted the energy. It would have changed the space. It would have been like Mr. Hintz walking in the room. And again, this is not for me to say it should have been. This is me trying to name for you what I know could be. And I know what could be based on many, many, many experiences with many, many singers, because something I encounter so often is a tremendous fear around volume, around getting louder, and around the implications of really using your voice fully, of really letting her rip, of really belting your face off, of really singing out. Now, I want to start by saying here that I'm not advocating that being loud all the time is the answer. I'm not advocating that loud singing is better singing. I'm not advocating for just being haphazard in um, the way in which we use our voice to just like (laughs) yell at the top of your lungs all the time. This is not what this is about. But this is about as a person being willing to go to the edges of what it is that your voice can do. This is about, as an artist, being willing to express yourself freely outside of the normal reaches of creative expression. This is about reaching to the next level. This is about singing to the back of the auditorium without a microphone. And this is about me wondering who's actually willing to do that. Who is willing to go there? Are you? I had a client yesterday, and we were talking about this, and uh, she was sharing that when she's at home, when she's practicing with her voice, she's always doing it at a quiet volume. And this is one of the oldest stories that I've heard over the years, especially for folks who live in urban environments or in households with lots of other people. It's easy to practice your voice, to work with your voice, to sing, always at a medium to quiet volume because you have a fear of disturbing others, because you have a fear of Uh, being disruptive, of taking up too much space, of being annoying, of yelling, you name it. And so then you come and you work with me or you go to a workshop or you go out to perform and you try to make volume and it feels weird in your body. It feels like it won't work. It feels like it gets stuck. It feels like you can't let it go. You don't have the strength. And there's a reason for that. You don't. If you haven't practiced it, if you haven't been by yourself and sang your face off, if you haven't been by yourself and been willing to make a lot of volume, good luck doing that in front of other people. Good luck. That will feel very shocking to your system. Your nervous system will be very overwhelmed. You will be confused in your body. And quite honestly, you might feel fatigued quickly if you try to do that. See, functionally, volume is directly correlated with chest register, chest voice. Now, if you haven't been hanging out with me before, 
and you're not familiar with registration, I invite you to go to davinyoungsvoice.com and download my five free essentials where you will learn all about chest register, head register, and mix. This is key. This is the answer to all of your questions. It's the most essential part of understanding your voice. And so if you don't know about it, I invite you to go learn more right now. Hit pause. Go get it. It's quick. It's worthwhile. But I'll give you just a little bit of a taste here in that the sound that you hear me speaking with right now is predominantly my chest voice. You could think about this as the lower half of my voice. The experience of making the sound is the experience of it vibrating lower in my body, often in the chest area, versus this sound, which is my head voice or falsetto. That sound feels like it vibrates higher. It feels like it vibrates in the upper part of my body toward my head. Think about that as the upper half of my voice. And when we sing, when we use our voice dynamically, we want to be able to move between those registers freely and do something that's called mixing. We want to be able to incorporate all of those sounds together so they move right into one another. Do you hear that? <laughs> so in my speaking voice, I'm not typically going that high, but when I sing and the pitch increases, I need to get higher. Okay, chest voice though, energetically, earthiness, groundedness, uh, volume, connectedness, strength, stability, boundaries, no. <laughs> yes. Head voice, lightness, sweetness, agility, flexibility, softness, caring, compassion, you name it. Get that? So head is like the yin to the yang of chest. And all of us, regardless of who we are, we have some level of imbalance between these two. And that balance might shift and change depending on where we are in our lives. I spent a lot of my life being chest heavy. <laughs> <laughs> and I still tend to default that way. But I've also done a lot of work around register balance in my voice, and I now can navigate from the lowest part of my voice to the highest part of my voice, from the quietest part of my voice to the loudest part of my voice. And I'm so grateful to have access to all of that, and that's really at the heart of my desire for anyone that I work with. But, but back to volume. Chest register is the same type of sound that you would use if you were to call out to someone. So if you saw me across the street and you recognized me and you went, hey, Davin, you would call out in what we call a chest mix. It's the calling zone of your voice. You might think of this also as a belt. It's when you take your chest register up quite high and use a lot of volume and pressure to make the sound. Recently, I was working with someone <laughs> <laughs> on that exact sound. And I got them to make it. And I said, this is a person with children. And I said, you know, it's like when you're really angry at your kids or, or when you see them running towards something dangerous and you say, stop. And this person looked at me and they said, I've never done that before. I've never made that sound before. And this is true for so many people. And if you haven't made it, man, does it feel weird in your body. 
boy, does it feel strange. See, the thing about head, chest, and mix is they are coordinated acts of the body. They require strength. They require flexibility. And if you don't use them, you simply won't have the strength to use them. You won't be able to sustain them over a long period of time. When you listen to Beyonce and she's belting her face off, and you're like, how is she doing that for so long? Can you please remember that she literally has been doing it her whole life? She has been doing it since the youngest age that she was able. Her body is acclimated and accustomed and conditioned and strengthened and just so able to do that because she has been doing it for a long time. Now, the good news is we can all make all of these sounds. It is possible for all of us. But the reality is that if you haven't made the sound, you will struggle to do so. I was in a session just yesterday with a client of mine, and I was guiding her to sing with more volume. And she confessed that when she's singing at home, she's always singing quite quietly. She's always singing with a sort of covered, muted sound. She's always using her voice Um, being careful not to disturb others. And I'm sure that you can relate to this. It's one of the most common uh, experiences that gets reflected to me, especially for folks who live, live in urban environments, who live in apartments, or people who live in households with a lot of other members present. It can feel scary. It can feel um, nerve-wracking, it can feel disruptive, it can feel disturbing to ever let yourself make a sound with quite a bit of volume. You might really never do that because you're always afraid of being heard. And I will say that I often hear from folks who actually have single-family homes all to themselves, people who live in the woods, (laughs) who also are scared or unwilling to use a lot of volume. There could be no one for miles, and yet there's something in them that holds back. There's something in them that won't allow themselves to just sing out, to let it rip, to be big, to be bold, to be loud. And so then if that's true, if you're practicing at home, if my client is practicing at home and she's quiet the whole time and then she works with me and she tries to make volume, or let's say you get up in front of people and you're finally ready to perform, but your voice feels so quiet and so shaky, could it be that you've never experience the fullness of your voice and your body? Could it be that even on your own, you haven't tested the boundaries? Could it be that if Mr. Hintz yelled project at you from the back of the auditorium that you wouldn't know how to meet his voice there? This is chronic. This is true of so many people that I work with. Every once in a while, I'll get someone like me (laughs) And I have to help them rein it in a little bit. But I would say nine times out of 10, my job is to help people explore making more volume, making more sound, or at least explore the willingness to go there. 
let me say again, I'm not interested in someone being loud all the time. That is fundamentally not interesting. I'm not interested in volume for the sake of volume. But what I am interested in is you having access to the fullness of your ability to express yourself. And sometimes you got to get loud. Sometimes when a child is running toward a boiling pot, you have to say, stop, stop. If you don't, you risk so much. You leave so much on the table. You, in that case, you literally risk a lot. But expression-wise or creative, creative expression-wise, you're leaving on the table a part of yourself that you've never put out in the world. Now, look, like I said, we have to start with the actual physical experience of this if we're going to talk about it. We have to begin with the truth that this requires strength. And the only way to gain the strength is to make the sound. The only way to know the sound is to make the sound. But there's also the psychological, spiritual, emotional aspect of what it means to be loud, what it means to get louder, what it means to take up space. I'd like for you to just ask yourself here for a moment about your willingness to be loud. Are you? And as you contemplate it, as you even imagine yourself, whether it be in your apartment or on a stage or out in the woods, as you imagine yourself really making a lot of sound, what does that stir up in you? How does it feel energetically in your body? What does your heart do? What does your stomach feel like? Are there nerves present? Is it possible that it could feel liberating? Is it possible that it could feel necessary? Is it possible that being loud could be appropriate? There's a chance that when you were a kid, you weren't afraid of being loud. <laughs> Some kids are but a lot of kids aren't. Volume is certainly not a consideration. And there's also a chance that at some point in your life, someone told you to be quiet. Someone told you that your voice at that volume was not welcome here, that you were too much, that you were taking up too much space, that you were disruptive, that that was not appropriate, that that was not acceptable. <laughs> I have sort of a famous note from uh, my first grade teacher um, her name was Mrs. Cackley. <laughs> and it said something to the effect of when everyone else was using their outdoor voices, Davin needed to use his indoor voice. <laughs> Look at me now, Mrs. Cackley. <laughs> now, I laugh about that. And truthfully, that didn't affect me strongly. But there are plenty of people that I come into contact with routinely that have similar stories that that was the thing that shut them up. That was the thing where they got the message, the thing that happened that they were like, yep, okay, we're keeping it under wraps from here going forward. Clearly who I am, who it is that I'm trying to be is not acceptable, not welcome, not able to be expressed here. And there becomes a safety factor. It doesn't feel safe in the body to make volume, to be free, to open up, to express yourself. But this is one of the reasons I just love singing. One of the reasons I think singing is so vital and important. And it is because the expectation of singing is that you make some volume. 
<laughs> the expectation of singing is that at some point you get kind of loud. And it's really thrilling and really exciting to hear that. In fact, it can totally shift the energy of a song, of a space, of a place, of a group of people. See, what singing does so well is it captures emotion. It takes emotion, it takes energy, it takes excitement, it takes sadness, it takes joy, it takes freedom, and it funnels it through the landscape that is the song. It choreographs it amongst the notes. And so if Whitney Houston stood there and she just went, and I, it just didn't capture what it was that when she went, and I, we felt her love. We felt that she would always love you. <laughs> now, it's not to say that that can't be captured in a sweeter, softer tone. Thank you, Dolly. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But there's something so invigorating about that person who's willing to sing from the deepest parts of themselves, who's willing to create from a fearless, projected, project space and just really blow us over with the sound of their voice coming out of this body. So often when I lead someone into the experience of their voice louder, <laughs> with more volume, more projection, more chest register, their first reaction is to be surprised and to question it. To literally say that feels like too much or it sounds like I'm shouting. It sounds like I'm yelling. To which I often say, it's because you are. <laughs> the experience in your body, the only thing close you would have experienced is the experience of shouting and yelling. But the interesting part about that to me is why is there judgment around that? Like what's actually wrong with that? I mean, sure, when someone's singing and it seems like they're shouting, that's not necessarily what we want. I get that. But the energy of shouting, the energy of calling, the energy of yelling, it is the energy of belting. It is the energy of letting it rip. It is the energy of volume. And so if they have that reaction, which people always do, I say, let's do it again. And then I ask them, well, how does that feel? What is the experience in your body? And they'll say, it feels pretty easy. It feels like it's not costing me too much. It feels like it's sort of just coming out. To which I say, that's your clue. That's the info I want you to pay attention to. Not that judgy voice in your head that says, this is too loud. This is too much. I shouldn't be shouting. Pay attention to the experience in your body that says, oh, that feels like I'm getting a lot of bang for my buck. That feels like it's really going out of me. It's traveling outside of me and it's not costing me a lot. It's not taking too much away from me. That felt surprisingly easy. Or maybe even that felt good. That felt empowering. That felt liberating. I just felt so free and it kind of scared the hell out of me. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It's scary, but I felt good. I felt good. I felt good. I felt good. Yes, more of that.
I've said it before and I'll say it again. If it feels good in your body, if the experience is pleasant in your body, there's a really high chance that it sounds pretty good too. If it feels uncomfortable in your body, if it feels strained, if it feels tight, if it feels squeezed, if it feels pushed, it might not sound so good. But if you make any type of sound and it feels open, it feels expansive, it feels like it travels out of you effortlessly. Now, let me clarify that when I say effortless, I don't mean without energy. It doesn't mean that it's um, like a limp noodle. (laughs) We're talking about inspired energy that travels through you so freely that it feels like it's not meeting resistance. It's not effortful. If you have that experience, it doesn't matter what kind of sound you make, I can promise you that people are going to enjoy it. And to go back to what I was saying earlier about those singers that I was spending time with, it's not that the sounds that they made weren't effortless. It's not the sounds that they made weren't free. It was just like there was something missing in terms of the whole spectrum of expression. Like, when was the point where I was really going to feel your voice? When was the point when I was going to really know what it was like to experience you from the depths of your being? That is always best expressed robustly. That is always the best opportunity to channel Mr. Hintz. That opportunity to be embodied, to be expressive, to be bold. Now, the thing about this kind of sound is that it does actually take up space. This sound reflects you taking up space. And the truth of the matter is, is that people will hear you. Your neighbors might hear you. Your neighbors might hear you. Your friends, your family, they might hear you. They might even go like, whoa, what is going on over there? But this is about you being willing to allow that to happen. This is about you making this sound for you first and foremost and allowing other people to be able to receive it as they are able. Now, quick side note, I often recommend that if you live in close proximity to others, whether that be in an apartment or in your home even, just name for them, write on a note, do something, say, I'm practicing my voice, I'm practicing singing, I'm practicing making a loud sound. So for the next half an hour, you might hear some crazy ass sounds. (laughs) (laughs) whatever, you know, slip it under your neighbor's door, go, hey, I'm working on my voice. I'm going to do it between these hours. If it's a disturbance to you, by all means, let me know. But if I can get away with it for this half hour, for this hour, I hope that's okay. Then you've just named it. You've expressed what's going on. There's not a mystery. They're not going like, oh, is, is something happening to that person? No, no. You are practicing being louder. You are practicing understanding, stretching to the boundaries of your voice. You are accessing ways of expression that you haven't accessed before. And that is okay. It's okay. It is okay. I right now I'm writing you a permission slip to get loud sometimes. To get loud, so loud to be in your car and just sing at the top of your lungs. To be in your shower and just really let it rip. To stand on stage 
I don't care if you're speaking or singing, but to take up space with your voice, to, in the words of Mr. Hintz, project, to enunciate, to just really embody how it is that you are communicating. And I know that this will be a growing edge for you. It's a growing edge for so many people. I'm not saying it's easy, but remember the only way to do it is to do it. You have to practice it. If you're not willing to do this on your own, I guarantee you will not be as successful as you'd like to be doing this in front of other people. But let me tell you from personal experience, if you do this, if you really lift your voice, if you allow yourself to become the sound, you can transform people. You know, I grew up singing in church. I grew up leading hymns and worship music and all sorts of stuff like that. And I knew from an early age that I had this capacity with my voice to enhance the spiritual experience of others. I knew that if I lifted my voice, that they would then lift theirs. And I knew that if I held back, they would also hold back. This is the thing about your voice. It has the capacity to inspire. Now, whenever I get up in front of a group, I know that I can move the energy. I can shift the energy and I can do that with volume. I can do that with my heart. I can do that with care. I can do that with vulnerability, I, but I have to do it with authentic expression, with fearless, bold, authentic expression. And you can do that too. You might not be practiced at it, but I know you have the capacity. I know that your body can do this. I know that your heart can do this. I know that your spirit can do this. And when you do it, you allow people into the possibility of doing it more for themselves. The thing for me, when I hear someone sing freely and openly and give me volume and just like belt their face off and just love their voice and sing, it's such a relief. It's such a relief because I don't have to carry any of the burden I know that they're in control. I know that they're free. I don't need them to even sound good. <laughs> I don't. I just need them to let it go, to sing, to just sing, to not even be concerned about how loud it gets or how soft it is, but just be concerned about expressing themselves freely because the world needs it, because I need it, because you know what it does? It inspires me. It frees me up to also express myself how I need to express myself. When you hold back, what you're really trying to do is control other people. Mic drop. <laughs> no, but seriously, let me say that again. When you hold back, you are trying to control the response of others. When you bring forth, when you allow yourself to be free in your expression, when you allow your voice to sing, when you allow yourself to really say what you need to say, when you do it at the volume that you need to do to express yourself, you finally let others be free. You let them be exactly how and who they need to be. Holding back assumes that they wouldn't accept you for who you are. It's protecting yourself from their potential response. It's allowing Mrs. Cackley <laughs> and her note to your parents to be the dominant narrative in your life. 
there's no more time for that, my friend. There's no more time for you to stay quiet. There's no more time for you to stay in resistance. This is the time for you to be free. This is the time for you to get to know the far reaches of your being. And you do that by yourself first. You do that by yourself first so that when you show up with others, you actually know who you are. You actually know what it is you need to say. You actually know all the sounds of your voice and you're not afraid of any of it. You know that it is powerful. You know that it is liberating. You know that it is creative. You know that it is inspiring. And you know, you know, you know that you are free. So my friend, now is the time. Now is the time to get louder. Peace.